Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. As always, the music for the show today is provided by Misha Zarin, so thank you, Misha. I also want to briefly mention the Ozarks Food Harvest, which is a food bank here in southwest Missouri. To be clear, I have no official relationship with Ozarks Food Harvest, but they are doing very important and meaningful work to help feed hungry people across many locations. I encourage you to find a way to contribute to your local food bank, as it is a cause that has an immediate impact on people in your area. I also invite you to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, as well as follow me on social media. All of the links are available in the show notes. This week, we are joined by guest Roman Miranov, who is a life coach currently based in Canada, but is originally from Russia. Roman has recently started his own life coach practice after using techniques from life coaching to help pull himself out of a bad situation. Roman had his own personal tragedy that kind of threw his life into a tailspin, and after managing to find his way out, he decided to help others. Roman is a very insightful and thoughtful person, and I'm very excited to share our conversation. Without further ado, let's get on to the chat with Roman. Welcome to the Walk Show podcast. Roman Miranov, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Walker. That's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, real quick shout out to uh, Podit. That's the platform that, that Roman and I use to connect. Um, I've talked about that on other episodes, so I won't go at great length, but but do want to shout out Podit real quick. Um, but so, so Roman, you are a, um, a, a relationship coach. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, it is. Okay. And so, uh, so I've actually talked to a few different coaches, um, here on the walk show. So when you talk about relationship coach, are you talking about, is it primarily relationships like romantic relationships, like husband and wife, or is it, is it family relationships like, you know, like brothers and sisters and parents and children or all of the above, or how does that work? Look, mostly it is indeed intimate relationships that's true but Mm. the fact is people oftentimes come to me with a a problem or a challenge in this area but then we go into all kinds of relationships because if you think about it life is relationships as you mentioned these are relationships we also have relationships within our family within our business with our friends and most importantly to ourselves yeah, that's so. I had I've had one other coach that was specifically a relationship coach, and um, and and she also um, is is a, an intimacy expert. Um, and it was interesting because I thought we would talk a lot of on that episode about about sexuality and those sorts of things, and we didn't. And and not because it's taboo or because it's uncomfortable, but just because of what you just said. The relationship with the self ends up being. Um, incredibly critical to all of that anyway and it's just interesting how universal (laughs) that that idea is this idea of um for me the way the metaphor i always use is that not that i came up with this but but the the you point one finger out and three point back at you kind of thing right Um, Hmm. interesting (laughs) yeah so so how did you so um you live in canada currently is that right Yes, Toronto. 
And how how did you how did you come to Toronto? Because you're not natively from Canada, is that right? That's right. That's right. So I came here last year and I moved to Toronto from Russia. So I've been here for a little bit more than one year. Okay. Um, and so was the coaching thing something that you started upon arriving in Toronto or was that something that you were doing in, in Russia as well? Yeah, that's a good question. I started it when I moved to Toronto because I felt that this was a very good time for me to make a transition mm. because I used to be a translator for 14 years and after I moved, I saw the opportunities and I, I yeah, I've been a fan of self-improvement for a very, very long time mm -hmm. and I, I love to improve myself and I'm not getting enough of improvement in my life. So I want to be helping other people with that. Sure. So, so you were a translator for 14 years. So uh, even though I, I guess in those conversations, um, you're not, you're not necessarily the one controlling the conversations, right? Cause you're, you're kind of serving to, to help people understand one another, but you're certainly privy to or aware of a pretty wide variety of, of conversations. So I guess my point being that you really got exposed to a lot of relationships that you're not directly a part of as a translator, though, because you're getting to see these conversations that people are having a lot. No, 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 no. There is a distinction between translators and interpreters. Oh, I see. Right? Thank you. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Thank you. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> no. <laughs> so please, if you wouldn't mind elaborating, what did you? What kind of work were you doing as a translator then? Yeah, as a translator, I spent 99% of my working time in front of a computer translating written texts from English or German into Russian. I That's see. what I did. And interpreters, they interpret, like you said, oral communications at conferences or between like business people and right. meetings. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and here I thought I had this interesting thread to go down and I did not. Um, <laughs> so, well, so you said that you've been, you know, you've been a student of, of, of self-improvement um, for a long time. What are, what are some of your, your inspirations or, or what are some of the, the things that you've um, studied in that, that process? Well, the, my easiest inspiration is of, is of course, Tony Robbins. Originally, about 10 years ago, his work helped me get out of a mild depression. And since mm. then, I, I've been a fan. So when I, when I came to Toronto, my very first idea when I started looking into coaching was taking his program. And that's what I did. And I completed it this April. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, we know when you're looking at, um, I guess we'll just start with, with your own, with your own journey, your own story. Um, and certainly, you know, as personal as you're willing to be, but, um, you said that you had a mild bout of depression that, that you would had utilized Tony Robbins to, to help you overcome. Walk me through what that looked like. Um, what, what, what kinds of things were you dealing with and, and, and how did that program serve to help you kind of pull yourself out of that? Okay, so first of all, how I got into into that mild depression, the reason was pretty pretty stupid, but my dog died, 
and I was I was already pretty grown up. I was but in my early twenties, but at that point everything was so perfect in my life, and I was such a such a perfectionist that I you know I kept guilting myself about my dog. So the next thing I knew, I went into that depression, and mm-hmm. I spent about two and a half years there. That was that was quite a low place. I mean, I I was functional. Mm-hmm. I was functional, but I wasn't happy at all. And the worst thing I I hate about what happened is that actually this was the moment when my son was born mm-hmm. and I wasn't there because of my depression. I wasn't mm-hmm. there for my son. I could not enjoy him in that like one his first year of his life. And I wasn't there for my wife. And that was the beginning of what ended as my as a divorce for our mm. for our marriage and the point is that how how did i get myself out of that place i just started listening to to tony robbins and i kept feeding my mind with positive things with uplifting information like all his teachings and i just did it with consistency every day I, I started waking up earlier and walking the new dog that my wife got for us. And I kept listening to his CDs. And that was not a, that was, that wasn't quick, my healing process, but I did recover just by rewiring my mind to think more positive. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and not that, not, Clearly, you're you're a coach and have come a long way, um, but I do want to just say that I don't think that's a stupid reason to be depressed at all. Um, I think that relationships with pets are very um, genuine and real and meaningful, and um, it can be easy to think of that it shouldn't be that because it's it's not a person or something. But that I don't think that's true. I think that the the relationships we have with our pets are just as as real and significant as those we have with you know people in our lives um so that's certainly understandable it it reminds me it's it's different uh, but but when you talk about how um the the one emotional circumstance being with with the loss of your 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 dog to um and how that impacted the ability to have this emotional relationship with your your son right um that reminds me of 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 my own story a little bit i mean it's different um because i was dealing with with two deaths instead of a a death and a birth but you know this was in 2004 so a long time ago now but um my my dog passed away but then within a week my father passed away Uh, and then within a few months my grandfather passed away um Oh my god! And and well, and so the point being that it it was almost like I didn't really get to have space to mourn um, my dog as well because the the my dad passing was way more surprising, significant, traumatic, whatever words you want to use, and and not that the relationship need to be compared or measured against one another in that way, but just that that kind of overwhelmed my mind. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't feel like I had a good way to, to be able to create space for both of those things. And it sounds like that's kind of what you experienced in, on your own, we, again, in a, your own circumstance, but. 
Yes, yes, I agree. And, and first of all, my condolences, condolences to you. That's that was terrible. Three three deaths in a row. That, that was terrible. Yeah. And um, I th I think that yes, you're right about the deaths of our pets. That's true. That's true. They this is very difficult. This is very emotionally intense. But I, I think my, the my point is that in my case, I went overboard. I just mm. uh, that was too much. Like being going into depression is no. That's I, I mean, every death is bad. Every death is bad. Even of someone who is of a loved one is bad. But mm. we like i right now 10 years after the, that that experience with my dog i don't think this is a reason any death is a reason to go into depression i don't think so that's absolutely a fair point um i think that um i think that there is a, a definitely a, a significant line and 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 one that is worth distinguishing between having a grieving period and and succumbing to a, a, a larger episode of, of depression. Uh, but I think it's easy for someone to, to be in a healthy grieving period and that kind of slip out of control into something larger, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why it's a very good thing to have a coach or a therapist who will prevent you from slipping into that depression, from, right. from grieving to depression. Right. Well, so that's a, that's a, that's something that I um, that you just mentioned that I have found two ideas that I think are kind of closely related. One being um, the um, therapist, and, and and then the other being the coach. They're two different professions. Um, one is obviously a, a more of a medical professional, and one is, um, is is not trained in medicine, but they're both typically certified trained professionals. Have you had any experiences? So, you know, obviously you went through some coaching and, and now have, have gone on to do that yourself. Have you had experiences with therapy at all? Personally, no. Personally, no. You know, with my clients, what I end up doing is is oftentimes they are, you know, borderline clients. They, they can, you know, both see a therapist and a coach and... Mm -hmm both are beneficial and sometimes i do end up helping them with a more con a condition that might seem more medical for example i now have a client who is she's 20 26 and mm. she she has this problem of bursting into tears like suddenly without any reason mm. and this this does seem like a medical condition but after we sat down with her and started talking about it, I realized that she was that way because she's just emotional. That's one thing. And the second thing is that she she just got out of a very, very toxic relationship and she's still she's she's not over her ex still. And that, that that's the trigger. That's just the trigger. So we're we have worked on the trigger. I helped her like get over the ex, get like get over the breakup, and she feels better. Her tears are are going away slowly. Awesome. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. 
Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing is that I think that again, I, I don't want to to oversimplify either practice and, and say that they're just the exact same thing because they're not. But I have personally used coaches and therapists, and and have found value in both. But I actually, find that I think that this, the practices are are similar in that, at least at a baseline, they offer a person, being the client, an opportunity to talk to someone, being the coach or the therapist, who is only invested in listening to what that client has to say. Um, so it's a conversation, but unlike a conversation that you and I are having now, where it's kind of a back and forth and it's a it's a more one-sided conversation with the coach or the therapist which is good because people need that opportunity to just put themselves out there and work through their thoughts um exactly exactly yeah and in in my practice i find that it's always an individual balance with each individual client because you know with, with some people they want to talk more and they want me to listen mainly mm. and that that helps them in it of itself whereas with other people they expect me to coach them like be a macho coach and motivate them and be very pushy so it's it's different with different people right right well and i think that's an important statement as well because it, it just talks about another thing that i that i talk about on this show a lot which is that everything in life is nuance right like there's not just binary choices like there's there's spectrums and scales to everything and so what one person needs might not be identical to what another person needs and then someone else may need sort of a combination of what those first you know what i mean and and, and so on and so forth absolutely So, you know, you said that you had had, had really used uh, the Tony Robbins to really kind of change your thinking. Um, what kinds of practices or techniques did you use to change your thinking? Um, I know for myself, I've used like affirmations, but, but what kinds of things did you use? He has a very good tool, which is called the triad. And what it basically means is that we can go from one state to another very quickly. And usually it means that we can go from a low state to a peak one 
by using three components. They are physiology, language, and focus. Mm -hmm. By physiology, I mean, well, yeah, well, let's look at it like this. So, for example, you're depressed. When you're depressed, you have a very, very specific physiology about you. Your shoulders are slumpy, you breathe shallow, you, and you're, 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 you're not smiling, mm. right? But if you want to go to a peak state, you change all these three. So you straighten your back, you straighten your shoulders, you smile, and you start breathing deeply. And by doing all of this, you change your physiology to a physiology of feeling good. Mm. And the, 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 like you're playing this trick on your, on, on your mind, right? Mm -hmm. The second component is language. So normally, well, let's say you feel discouraged and you say to yourself, well, this is discouraging. I feel discouraged. And you can reframe this and say, for example, well, yeah, there is some sort of discouragement happening, but I see a big picture and I see the lesson in what happened to me. And I, I want to think about this lesson instead of feeling discouraged. Mm. And the third component is focus. It's about what you focus right now. And for me, the best way to focus in order to change my state is to focus on the present moment, on what I'm doing right now, maybe sometimes finding something that I appreciate it, I appreciate in this moment. And by focusing on this rather than like something that makes me depressed, that makes a big difference. It, it, it does change mm. the state, my state. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, you know, I think that um, something that you said at the beginning there about um, when you're changing your physiology, how, how you're almost using a, a trick um, on your mind to, to kind of change your emotional state. What's interesting, though, is that um, it's kind of like the placebo effect. Exactly. There's a, well, there's this connotation, though, that the placebo effect is, is um, at least here in America, <laughs> I don't know about all around the world, but that the placebo effect is, um, is a trick is a good word for it, I guess. But what I've found in my own journey through, through these things and my own experience is that it, it certainly makes sense to call that a trick. However, the depressing thoughts and these patterns and habits that we get into that lead to the depression are in and of themselves also a trick, right? So it, it's not as if the depression is real and smiling and straightening your back and, and controlling your breathing is somehow a, 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 a trick way to, to fool yourself. Like you fooled yourself into the depression, right? <laughs> like they're both just tricks. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did trick yourself into depression in the first place because Mm -hmm. if you if you think about it we it's all it's all imagination right mm -hmm. it's all we're we're living in a dream after all mm -hmm. and we're like th there's just one reality and it's objective and if we we with like we're really instead of being in that reality instead of being of that in that present moment we really think ourselves 
into a depression mm-hmm. like like we're dreaming that, that's true that's that, that's just the result of our monkey mind telling us oh everything is so bad oh you should be depressed and and then you go oh yeah i probably should be depressed right yeah i think well i think to some extent there's also a feeling um you know to, and i don't mean to to whatever we'll use this circumstance but if if you would like to discontinue we we can um but the the story with you and and your dog that had passed away like there's there's almost a sense of of like responsibility to feel bad right like like there's almost this feeling like if you're not feeling bad then you're not honoring that thing And, and not just with death it could be whatever a situation is but that that you're like paying your dues or something by feeling bad, um, which I don't know. What is your, what are your thoughts on, on that idea or how have you seen that with other clients even? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a very good point. And I, I, I can also give you another example. It's when people like, you know, type A persons, mm. high, like high achieving individuals, they don't allow themselves to have any feelings like negative feelings because they tell themselves, Oh, I'm going to be positive and it's my responsibility to be positive all the time. And if I have a negative feeling, then I'm, I'm just not supposed to have it. And this mm-hmm. leads to all sorts of problems because they actually are negative feelings are oftentimes a feedback a very important source of feedback telling us, wait, hey, buddy, something is wrong in your life. You need to change it. And when those types of people, they suppress these emotions, they ignore very important feedback that's coming from their body, from their mind. And they, like maybe one or two years down the road, they might, you know, end up with a psychosomatic illness, for example. So that's a really, really good point. So there what you're explaining is that you know, just as much as people can get stuck in these traps of, you know, I've experienced a, a loss or I've experienced some something that 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 I feel justified in feeling sad about, but now I get stuck in this trap of only feeling sadness, and, I, and so I reject happiness and positivity, which to some extent is depression, right? But then it can go the other way, where you you have this idealistic view of like, oh, I should always be positive. But then, and so I'm never going to experience anything negative, and it ends up taking you to the same place, which is yes. this this feeling of of depression or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, I think that just goes back to show that things are not binary. It it's not you know it's there's so many cliches that we have for all of these ideas, um, yet despite them being quote unquote cliches, they don't really resonate with people (laughs) enough. And so we need people like yourself to continue to be out here pushing these messages and saying it in your own way and saying it with your own, your own, you know, thoughts, because you just never know how it will resonate because really what we're talking about is too much of a good thing, right? Or too much of a thing can lead to bad things. So if you feel bad because you love something and so you want to experience that grief, but if you stay there too long, it goes off the off the tracks and with a good thing you, you want to just be positive and you want to achieve and you want to succeed but if you only do that it'll throw you off the tracks in the same kind of way um 
it just goes back to that spectrum, that idea that we were talking about earlier, where things are nuanced and you need to to look at things in a graded way, not in just a all or nothing kind of way. Exactly, exactly. Or another perspective to from which you can look at this is finding balance. You mm. want to have a ba- balanced life instead of going like taking the black or white approach all the time. Right. Yeah. No, that's. I had a, a, a guest on a while back now, but he 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 said that that was a thing that was really an idea that was really important to him was this idea of balance. And when he said it, I, I kind of thought, yeah, I mean, that's, that's an important idea, I guess. And I get it intellectually, but man, I don't know. I don't know if he was a, a wizard or something, but he already cast a spell on me or what. But since that conversation, I can't stop finding the relevance of the idea of balance in all things. Like it's over and over and over again. It's wow. just so important, you know? It is. It is important. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about being balanced every day because it's like, it's a daily game. It's Mm -hmm. a daily game because, um, even like in my exercise, I, I, I don't want to push my, I don't want to push myself too little because it won't make sense to exercise. But at the same time, I don't want to push myself too hard because then I feel too much stress and I start associating negative emotion with exercise. And the next time I do it, I actually might find, might realize that I, I don't want to do it at all. Mm-hmm. That's the point. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of shifting gears a bit, but something that I definitely would be curious of is, you know, Obviously, you're, you're in Canada now, and, and that's where you started your coaching business, but you were in Russia whenever you went through the experience that initially introduced you to, to Tony Robbins. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, of course. So so how how culturally, I guess, is is coaching and this kind of work different there than it is here, or is it largely the same, and there's not really cultural differences between between the two? It's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. The The main difference that I see are probably two differences. The first one is coaching and therapy are way, way more common here in Toronto and in Canada and the U.S. because mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's more culturally acceptable. Mm-hmm. And back in Russia, it's still quite a new trend. Mm-hmm. And the second, the second thing, which is actually like a good, like the reason for the first one, mm. it's uh, a lot of people back in Russia live in poverty and they can't afford having a coach or a therapist. Just mm. not an option. That's it. Mm. So the idea, I mean, it, it, that's a, that's another interesting thing that I think is maybe not, um, and maybe just by me, frankly, not addressed enough, but that, that while there is a ton of value to these things, um, it, they're they're not free services, right? Because the the folks that are that are providing them also have to <laughs> make a living. So so not that they should be free. So so I guess that that's a question. Then you know, for someone who doesn't have um, the means, maybe to to hire a coach or to, or to go see a therapist, do you have any any like suggested reading for for people that they could maybe check out at a library even? Okay, so. 
yeah, I, I have two points about this. The first one yeah. is my, my favorite book, like a general self-help book that helped me a lot besides Tony Robbins' work. That's uh, Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. Because it combines both the both a lot of practical tips and a lot of tips that will introduce you to spirituality. Mm. Like unconditional love. That's what I mean. So this is what I love about this book. And the second the second thing that I tell like when I sit down with potential clients and they tell me, oh, like coaching is expensive. I tell them, yeah, it might be expensive, but you see, with me, you will spend, well, for example, three. You, you'll get some result in three months, whereas by yourself, you will get the same result in three years, just mm -hmm. as an example. And the result might be different. It might be that you don't, don't get any result. That's also possible. So, for example, you explore something with me, and but I push you to do it quickly in three months. But then even if you don't get a result, you get feedback. And you know that this thing doesn't work. Would you rather spend money and three months of your life with a coach or spend three years and get the same result, which was in this case, no result? Yeah. So that's, so to, to, for your first point, that's, that's awesome. Um, I have not read seven habits of, of highly effective people. However, um, just a few weeks ago, the episode that released on, on the podcast here was a review I did with actually Brent Basham, who's the, the man that, that co-runs Potit, where we met. Um, he came on the show and he, he has read that book a couple of times, The Seven Habits of, of Highly Effective People. And he came prepared with an outline. And I mean, we talked for nearly two and a half hours about that book. Wow. And it's, a, it's an incredible, incredible book. Uh, having not read it, but just from his explanation of, of the topics in it, um, so that's awesome to hear you suggest it. And I, I you know, <laughs> shameless promotion, I guess, but, but I encourage anyone who's interested that hasn't read it to go check out that episode because I definitely added it to my reading list after um, talking with Brent about it because yeah, it, it was interesting because it seemed like the first part of the book, you know, to tie it back to relationship coaching that we were talking about earlier. Um, it, it, the first part of the book is, is all about how to improve your relationship with yourself to some right. extent. And then the second half is about once you've done that, now you can improve your relationship with other people. Um, so yeah, definitely a, a very fascinating set of ideas and, and concepts in that book. Um, so, you know, you mentioned earlier that you were working with a young lady. Um, but what, what kinds of other clients do you, do you find yourself working with? Is it primarily, Men, women, young people, old people, all of the above. I mean, do you find yourself with a, a specific demographic that's more interested in the coaching or is it really everybody? Probably everybody. It's a range. I, I would mm. say that right now I have clients who are in the range from 24 years old to 59 years old. Mm. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Um, and I, and I, 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 I assumed that would be the case, but I wanted to ask the question because... I think it's important for people who are listening to understand that you can get value out of coaching 
at 59, right? Like it's not something that's only valuable if you're a college kid who's lost their way or something, you know, or a a 30 something professional who's trying to climb the ladder. Like there is value in this stuff, no matter where you are in your life. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, Well, let's take the like older clients that I work with now and and I'm helping them with different things. I'm helping them with, you know, with their relationships, especially as they use dating apps mm. i help them lose weight and actually i am i've been so excited this last couple of day days because i've started uh working with uh, with a woman she's 59 and i've been helping her with weight loss and uh, one of our goals was to improve her health because she was she was pre-diabetic and she was actually she was like she she was in the risk category of getting a fatty liver mm. and so after about three months she did blood tests and the blood the results came in just last week and her blood sugar went down and her this liver enzymes improved which is which are both great signs so yeah mm. I, I was very happy with that about that well, yeah, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. I was, yeah, uh, I, I've been so excited after hearing that. And she's she's a great client. She responds to coaching very well. And yeah, going back to your question, that's true. You 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 do get usually a lot of benefits from coaching. And the main thing is that you need to you need to try it. And that's the the best and the easiest thing about it you don't have to spend like thousands of dollars immediately Mm -hmm. just go to the first session which is free this with me you will you you will feel the vibe of your coach you'll see what they can do for you you'll see how you like talking to them and all those things then you can can buy one or two sessions and see how they go see how you respond to what the coach is you know, offering you, and mm-hmm. that th- that's easy. It's not. It doesn't require big investment. Right. Yeah. No. That's a very good point. I I myself have been uh, working with a coach for uh, I don't know the better part of a year, not quite a full year yet, but um, it was something that I really didn't know very much about, and I had the exact experience that you just talked about, where we had an, kind of an introductory session where there was no cost or anything to just try and get a vibe and feel out if we thought it would be a good fit. Um, talk about what I think maybe I could get from coaching. And then she talked about what she thinks a coach could offer. So then we can see how those ideas align. Um, and then, and then, yeah, we just started, you know, I think I, I think I signed up for her for three months initially. Um, just cause to your point that you made earlier, I think, you know, you're doing things in three months as well. You, you talked about, I think that it's important to sign up for maybe, more than just one session just because there's some there's a there's value into consistency right and, there's co- value. and commitment yes. yeah um so you might not see the result of it in just one or two sessions but that doesn't mean that that's because you weren't going to see those results right um but either way yeah it, and and i think that and i don't i don't mean to just share my own personal stories as much as to just outline for people again to reiterate what you said like you can you can try it for free usually 
and you can op you can have an opportunity to see if you vibe with the coach and just <laughs> just like everyone else in society coaches are individual people too and so just because maybe you and a particular coach maybe it doesn't click but that doesn't mean that coaching as a whole is invalidated now right like you should try it and talk to another person the same thing's true with therapists So for for you personally, are you working with people all over the the Canada, all over the the world, or, or just more in your local area in Toronto? But what is your availability like for people who might be interested in, in coaching? Yeah, I work mostly online with people all over the world, mm. and I, I, I do I do see clients in person here in Toronto. But for right now, I think yeah, I have two clients who I see in person. Mm. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting too. I mean, um, you know, on the one hand, obviously there are a ton of problems and, and bad outcomes from COVID. So I don't mean to minimize what it is at all. But one thing that it has done is it has forced the entire world into understanding how to communicate remotely, right? So people that maybe before would have thought of themselves as like, oh, I wouldn't be comfortable doing a Zoom call or, or something. I would have to go in person. Well, that's just not an option. So it, it opens up opportunities for people to, to connect with someone like you um, to work with as a coach. Even if you offered it before, maybe they wouldn't have thought, oh, I could work with a guy in Canada. But now everyone has seen, yeah, of course you could work with a guy in Canada, even if you're not in Canada yourself, because we have the internet yeah, <laughs> and webcams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's one positive consequence of the COVID-19. That's true. Yeah, again, I don't mean to to make light of it or, or act like, oh, great, we all learned how to use webcams. But um, <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, and I'm I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because um, you've you've already shared a few stories. But is there is there any client that that you've had that just completely surprised you or completely went it away that that you didn't think it was going to go or or I don't know any story like that. That's just a, a one client that stands out. Hmm. There, the, there is a client that I'm helping. I've been helping with actually his addiction to porn and masturbation. Mm. And without, without me, his, his record was going clean for, for without porn and masturbation for nine days. And when we started working with him, he went to 86 days. That was, wow. that was impressive for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, that's a topic that I think is probably um, something that's uncomfortable for people to talk about a lot. But how, you know, especially in the in the culture of the Internet, how much do you see that specifically impacting relationships, the, the, this addiction to, to pornography and those things? Um, yeah, how much do you see that affecting people? I think it affects couples a lot, a lot, because it's um, it's a very, very common trend. And, well, yeah, I, I well, for example, I, I now have another client who is actually, he's 44, and he, he has this sort of attachment to porn and masturbation, but he has been so much better after we started working with him. And his original fear was that it actually might lead him into more, into darker places like going to massage parlors and prostitutes. So he was afraid of that. And he, he actually has a big family. Mm. And he, like, he, he knows that this is, this is a trend all over the world. And he wants to teach this to his, to his sons. And he wants to be a role model. And he realizes that there's, this content is so available and this is actually, it's like, it's, it's not even an addiction anymore. It's like a disease. Mm. I agree with him. Yeah. 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 It is, it is shocking to the, the level of availability that, uh, that the material has. Um, well, so, you know, earlier you'd outlined the three, the, the kind of triad of practices from, from Tony Robbins that you would learn to, to kind of work with yourself uh, or work yourself out of out of the depression that you'd found yourself in. Are there any other techniques as a coach yourself that you that you also have people employ to just? And obviously, I you know I understand as circumstances are more nuanced, you're going to be more specific to each client. But um, but yeah, are there any other just kind of general techniques that you are are advising people to, to use? Well, another general technique that also comes from Tony is uh, using anchors to bring bring yourself back into a peak state so using it is pretty simple whenever you feel great you feel excited you feel encouraged just uh, associate that state that experience that memory with an object Mm. and this can be like a ring on your finger or i like perfume like smelling perfume or listening to a song Mm. and the next time you feel down you use that anchor so you go you go to smell that perfume or touching the ring or listening to that song and then by doing that you reconnect to that peak state that you felt earlier Mm -hmm. and so you trigger the same state in your body again and you feel better so it's just it's just it's kind of a constant um attempt of of making sure that the the things that you are thinking are intentional. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, I don't know how directly we can control a feeling, but I do think that the, the thoughts are, excuse me, that feelings are the result of thoughts and we mm-hmm. can control the thoughts. So it's this constant practice of trying to, whenever feelings start to go in a direction that you don't want, to try and bring them back by being intentional in the way that we're thinking. Yes. Yes. Remembering a specific state that we were 
like a few times, a few times, well, some time ago, and you, and the state that you actually associated with a special object, with a particular object. Mm-hmm. In sure, and, and I apologize, I didn't really describe what I meant that well. What I mean is that all of these practices from Tony Robbins, whether it be the breathing or whether it be the, the, the refocusing or whether it be this anchor, all of those are different techniques of, of controlling your intentionality, I guess, with your thinking. Yes, yes, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. so um, I guess I am curious if you have thoughts, though, on, you know, we've talked about how you know, if you just, if you just do positive thinking only and you don't allow any negative thoughts to come in and you, and you try and push things out, that can also lead you to a bad place. So how, how do you, and again, I, you know, what are your thoughts, I guess, just on, on how you balance that? Because to some extent, you don't want to never have the bad feeling, right? Like it's okay sometimes. Like how, how do you identify where those lines are, if that makes sense? Well, here's a quick technique that I use all the time. It's uh, it's about releasing tension. The point is that when you feel uh, when you feel a feeling that's negative and you don't want to feel it, don't suppress it. Mm. Don't suppress it. Just give it some like give it some air time. Give it some space. Maybe 15 seconds or 30 seconds. And try to find a place where you feel it in your body. Maybe it's your abdomen. Mm. Maybe it's your chest. Maybe it's your legs. And then, so feel that emotion, feel that negative feeling in that, for example, in your abdomen. And then after maybe 15 seconds or 30 seconds, relax that part of the body, relax the abdomen. And by relaxing, you're letting it go. Mm. Yeah, I think that um, I think that it's interesting too the the the, the physical connection to emotion. Um, I think that it's easy to also get trapped in thinking <laughs> that all of it just goes on in the mind, and obviously that's where a lot of it goes on. But you know, I found for myself. Um, not exactly what you're talking about, but like if I get to start feeling anxious, I will just go on a walk and, and it's not a power walk. It's not rigorous, but going on the walk I have found helps me. And I also do believe that to some extent, because I believe that going on the walk helps me, it helps me. Right. So whatever. Physical benefit, yeah, exactly. It's twofold. I think there's some physical benefit, but there's also placebo. But I don't think that the placebo is bad. I think the placebo should be celebrated. I mean, that's awesome <laughs> that I can do that without having to take a pill or buy something or consume something. I can just, you know, do something very natural. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you think about Tony Robbins' work in general, yeah, a lot of things that he teaches and uses there are actually about placebo mm. in general. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, again, obviously you said that you're able to, to work with people from all walks of life um, and you're working with people from around the world. Um, so how would people, if they're interested in, in connecting with you, where would they go to, to do that? Please go to my website, which is romanmiranov.com, spelled as R-O-M-A-N-M-I-R-O-N-O-V. Hit the contact tab. 
and send me send me a message for having a no fee breakthrough session and mention that you're coming off Walker's podcast and I'll be happy to give you a 30% discount. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for offering that. Uh, well, I will make sure and have the, um, the, the link in the show notes. Um, so anyone that's, that's looking can also just, just click directly on that and go right there. Um, well, Roman, I really appreciate you um, connecting with me and coming on the show today to share your story and also just your insights into to, to coaching and, and, and just life. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to cover while we were here together this afternoon? You know, I would, I would uh, wrap up by saying that something that we did not, did not really touch today, but I think this is very, very important, and it's unconditional love. When it comes to relationships, what you want to do is to go into the relationship not with the intention to get something out of it. But you'd rather go into the relationship with the intention to give. Because there are two things that happen when you do this. You feel love when you give it, not vice versa. Because this is selfless love. And the second thing is that by giving unconditional love, you make the, your partner happy and they want to reciprocate. That's how it works. And many people get it backwards. They go into a relationship to trade. They want to get, you know, they, they go there to have their meets met, their meets, <laughs> their needs met. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's oftentimes the wrong approach. Yeah, no, that's a really, really, um, that's a really, really good point. Um, and I think a lesson that, that applies uh, into a lot of places, but this notion of, um, whatever you want from the world, will just say, if you give it first, then you receive it back kind of thing. So, um, well, thank you for that. That's a very, that's a very, uh, insightful thing to, to end on. Uh, well, Roman Miranoff, thank you again. RomanMiranoff.com is the website. I will have links in the show notes for that. Uh, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Walker. It's been such a pleasure. You you were so insightful <laughs> with your, with your con- conclusions about what I said. That's great. Thank you. There's a rock in your head. Nervous with a quivering lip and scared of the mirror on the wall. Rash aggression, being overproud, afraid and running quickly in place. Violent hands while you're aiming down, damn my stubborn embrace. How dare you knock around? How can you sell your people out? Why are you cold and trill? Or do you sell the boy line? Spark that turns to a flame that burns deep inside of you. Is this dream that's bound to a flood that drowns the good inside of you? You can't shoot your way out of this one. You can't bury this in the night. 
Right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much again to Roman Miranoff for stopping by and being a guest on the show. As always, thank you to Misha Zarens for providing today's music. And of course, thank you, listener, for listening to the episode. I also invite you to listen to my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by myself and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about why gaming matters. So instead of just talking about news and reviews and the latest games, we also talk about the emotional connection that we have to gaming and why it's so important to us. You can listen to Pick Up Your Sticks anywhere podcasts are found. As always, thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Stay up. Stay up.